we've secretly started a drinking game. And every time Josh says, what not, you'll hear this. I've got really good hearing and I can hear you. Episode 317, January 25th, 2018. You're listening to a 4x4 four four, four four Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler. Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back. Strap in. And Tony, what do you think is the absolute most important modification to do to a Jeep? You know, Josh, I'm glad you asked that question. No, I really am. Uh, <laughs> because it's coming up later in my Cherokee love segment. Oh, yes. I was looking for instant <laughs> gratification here. I <laughs> know, no, that's not going to happen. This isn't the MTV. So, uh, Tammy, is it true that you think you have proof on your D-ring being stolen? Tony, I am not going <laughs> to confirm nor deny that allegation. Oh. You'll just have to wait till later in Campfireside Chat. So stay tuned. See, no more instant gratification. <laughs> nope. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. Supporting the show has never been easier. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com, hit our Amazon.com button there. You'll be taken down the trail to Amazon.com, where the Jeep Talk Show will get a small percentage off the things that you buy. But you have to click that link on our website first. Or you can just type in jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon the next time you need to buy something online. And thanks in advance. Well, good old Sergio helps make things clear as mud with the new Jeep truck. Ever since the rumors were confirmed that Jeep would be releasing a Wrangler-based pickup into its lineup, everybody was convinced that it would carry the name of the last Wrangler-based vehicle with a bed, the Jeep Scrambler. This also falls into suit with the last several years of name badge regurgitation by the ever-so-original FCA design team. But not so fast, says the CEO of FCA, Sergio Marchion. I don't actually know the name of the pickup truck, he says. And it is here where the quote from the interview at this year's Detroit Auto Show takes a turn into left field. He goes on to describe the rather unique process for giving a Jeep its name. Quote, that thing is usually goes through this mysterious divining process, which has not started. That weird voodoo chanting thing. <laughs> and that stuff has not started. We need to go through this process, and then eventually we come up with the right level of wisdom and can pick a name. But we're not there. We've done these things before, so there's a history of the truck, but I don't think we should go back and reuse it. But we'll see. Well, where the heck was that <clears throat> wisdom when you decided to reuse the Renegade badge or the Cherokee name, huh, yeah. Sergio, huh? Well, Marcion did say that the truck would be at the international it would be at an inter, intentionally higher price point rather and would thus not directly compete with the Chevrolet Colorado and upcoming Ford Ranger midsize pickups though it will be similar in size he said FCA expects to sell quote less than a hundred thousand units in a year of the new pickup and that he would likely get one when it debuts in mid-2019 I'm a natural buyer Marcion says if I had a choice between the Wrangler and the pickup truck I'd buy the pickup truck he says I just think it's a better vehicle from your mouth to God's ears, Sergio, you heard it here first, Jeepers. CEO Sergio Marchion thinks the Jeep pickup coming up in 2019 is a better vehicle than the new Wrangler. Oh, boy. Yay. I can't wait for this <laughs> thing now. I so want to buy a Jeep pickup. 
I'm really anxious for this thing. I, I, it looks cool. It, all the numbers are just amazing on this thing. I, I really want to see one in person. I want to get a chance to drive it. And I really am curious to see what the real world numbers are going to produce. Well, you know, I got to wonder if uh, he's talking about it being the beta vehicle for something uh, about something that you've already reported, noticing the uh, the rear axle uh, being a, a heavy duty, like, uh, what was it, a Ram 1500, 2500? Well, a lot of the. Yeah, a lot of the suspension cues and, and stuff, especially in the rear end, are definitely very much pulled from the Ram 1500 uh, platform. A lot of similarities. I'm not going to say directly swap, you know, compatible parts or anything, but you can definitely tell there's some design cues that, that are, you know, can be pulled from both of them that are the same. Now, this truck is, for all intents and purposes, rumored as being a true workhorse, not just a Wrangler with a bed. It's going to have a substantial amount more towing and cargo capacity and just be an overall more capable vehicle. Now, that being said, it's still going to be marketed, at least at this point, as a Wrangler with a bed, which is kind of weird because it's going to be so much more capable. I don't know. Well, uh, and it wouldn't be the first time a car manufacturer uh, used the same, uh, mostly the same body, the mostly the same drivetrain and called it something different. I know uh, Chevrolet and Pontiac and uh, General Motors, uh, was it General Motors? Yeah, GM. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would do that, and the, they'd change the nose and the taillights, and it was, but basically it was the same vehicle. So uh, I can see how they could perhaps, I mean, it's cheaper if they reuse something that they're already using, already having manufactured. They just got to bolt it onto a, a new platform. So anyway, uh, I think that might be part of it. I think you may have hit on that uh, in an early episode, earlier episode, Josh. Well, they called it the cute ute, Jeep's smallest rig ever, until now. When the Jeep Renegade came out, it was dubbed as one of the smallest vehicles ever produced by Jeep for the consumer market, and it had all sorts of nicknames. Well, just when you thought a Jeep couldn't get any smaller, they're about to do it again. It's been no secret that Jeep is on track for global domination, expanding factories into several countries over the last several years, and in no small part to that, the global demand for SUVs has skyrocketed. Initially, it was thought the Renegade would be the platform for this takeover, Last year, however, we started hearing rumors that Jeep will be coming out with a subcompact SUV for the global market that would be dwarfed by the Renegade. Mall crawlers everywhere wet themselves. <laughs> Mike Manley, head of the Jeep brand, confirmed the rumors this week. The baby Jeep, as it is being nicknamed now, would be targeted at consumers and customers in Europe and other global markets where small vehicles sell very well. Now, you heard right, the U.S. is not on that list. This baby Jeep could be produced in a Fiat Chrysler Automobiles factory near Naples in Italy. Fiat currently builds the Fiat Panda mini car in Pomigliano. If built, the small Jeep would be based in the same platform as the Fiat Fiat Panda and the Model 500 mini cars also being made at the same plant. For the rumors state that even if this does happen, the global market isn't likely to see anything until sometime after 2020. So it's going to be another one of these. Stay tuned. You know, God bless them. Uh, somebody posted the other day, uh, I think you may have even mentioned this in a, in a prior episode, Josh, where mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they redesigned the Cherokee. Uh, so it, to me, it looks more like a, a, even more like a grand Cherokee now than, than what it did uh, with the, the, the prior version with had, having kind of a bit of an overbite uh, right. and squinty eyes. <laughs> but anyway, I, I made the comment that I just wish they had called it a, a baby grand and then dropped a piano on it 
So apparently, <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> so oh, apparently, no. he took issue at that. It wasn't one of those your typical uh, Jeep enthusiast hating on the the new Cherokee. He actually liked the Cherokee. So he came back and said, "Why would you drop a piano on it?" And, and, and he says, "Well, you know, the Cherokee is selling blah 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 blah." And I said, "Well, actually, on the show, uh, I said that we were weren't getting it right apparently because." The Jeep focus groups must be knowing exactly what the public wants. Maybe they're doing it again with this thing. I don't know. I don't think the voodoo has quite hit the fan yet for this one. (laughs) So I I think they've got some more dancing around the fire to do before we're going to find out what the name is of this one or the pickup for that matter. And I really don't know what's going on over in the FCA Jeep (laughs) camp. I I think Sergio has lost it. It's a good thing he's on his on his way out. You know, he's I think, what, a year away from retiring or something like that. I think it's time. If he starts talking about chanting and, and voodoo and, and all this other stuff to name a vehicle, oh boy, I figured, let's get this guy out. I figure they uh, they must have a hat that says Jeep on it, you know, like from the Harry Potter thing that tells you oh, you put geez. the hat on the head and it comes up with the, the Jeep name. So, Tammy, I, I got the feeling uh, just uh, you're this type of person. You wouldn't get rid of your, your Jeep, um, the, uh, the JKU. But I, I think if they came out with a purple one of these things, you'd be all over it. You think so? A purple pickup? No, the the little no, car. The, uh, the, the oh, the little car. Uh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, so, I don't know if an American could fit into one of these things. I, they, no. they look so small. I, I think this is going to yeah. be exclusively in the, in, the, uh, in the Asian markets. I don't know. But, uh, but amazingly, you could still fit 57 clowns in it. I don't know how they do <laughs> that. Next generation <laughs> clown vehicle, everybody. <laughs> Well, hey guys, if you're oh, one of the many people that sends us news tips each and every week, can't thank you enough. If you have a Jeep story or any Jeep-related news tip, well, send us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. Love hearing from you guys. And hey, coming up later in the show, there's one name synonymous with off-roading, and that's ARB. We'll be sitting down with Scott Ferry from ARB in just a little bit. Until then, make sure you're subscribed to the show as next week we'll be talking with Jason Swank, an avid Jeep enthusiast and fellow podcaster. And do you guys have an idea for a guest? Well, let us know who you would like to see interviewed. You can contact us many, many ways. Just visit jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. And now we're up to part 10 on Jeep tips of airing up, airing down. I guess I could just call it airing. Which is blow something up. Which is one of those things you do to your to your girl. You uh, air it under the covers and then lift it up on one side. But uh, but I digress. No 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 no. Dutch no. <laughs> oven. I'm pretty sure that Steve is not going to be covering a segment on how to Dutch oven somebody in but your Jeep. But, but uh, wouldn't well, it be let's fun? Go ahead and play it. But wouldn't it be fun? <laughs> so anyway, here we go. Uh, uh, part ten from Steve four point three LXJ the airing uh, tire airing series and it's the final one. Yes, people, Aww. 10 parts of airing up and airing so down. So much information. We're going to put this on a CD and sell it for $9.95. Hi, this is Steve 4.3 LXJ with another Jeep tip and the last in our series on airing down. And today I want to talk about what is commonly called the power tank. And that is a brand name for a CO2 tank with a regulator and a fill hose on it. And the... Uh, thing is, is that uh, this can be a fairly inexpensive system in comparison if you need big air. Uh, you can fill quite a number of tires with what's in a CO2 tank. But there are some limitations uh, as well as some advantages. 
First, the advantage is, is that they don't weigh too much. They weigh about 15 pounds total and you can strap them to your roll bar or anything else. They've got brackets to fit almost anything. And you can run air tools just like you would off of a compressor. And the thing is that these things are rated at 14 cubic feet per minute. And if you remember, a uh, the fastest we've been able to do so far is 11 cubic feet. Now, do you need 14 cubic feet? That is a question. Um, if you leave the valve core in a uh, valve stem, you can't put anything more than about eight or nine cubic feet into it. Um, that's why my 11 cubic foot compressor will cycle off if the tire is big enough because it just won't take any air any faster than that. But if you are pulling the valve core out of, say, a 44-inch tire and uh, you want to uh, air that up quickly, uh, power tank might be the way to go. But there are some disadvantages to using these tanks. And one is, is that even though there's a gauge on them to tell you how much pressure is in them, it's really kind of meaningless because uh, compressed air like or, or water vapor or anything else. They go from uh, solid to liquid to a gas at various temperatures. Uh, CO2 is kind of a funny thing. It goes, as you probably know, from a gas down to a solid. We call it dry ice. You go down and buy it, put it in your coolers, and keeps things pretty cold for quite a while. So when you get a cylinder and you compress this gas, it doesn't go to a solid. It goes to a liquid. And as long as there is one drop of liquid in that tank, it's going to have the same amount of vapor pressure, as you chemists would call it, as a full tank would. So your tank is either going to say it's got it or it doesn't have it. So the way that you have to uh, do this is you have to take your tank and you have to weigh it and Power tank makes a little uh, spring-loaded scale that you can hold, kind of like our old fish scales that we used to use back in the day. You hang your fish on it and weigh it. This, you can hang your tank on it. And what you have to do is you have to know the tear weight, that is the weight of an empty tank, and subtract that from whatever you get on the scale. Or you can save your 40 bucks and you can use your bathroom scale. It doesn't make any difference either method will work, but you still have to know how much a dry tank weighs. And you're going to have to have a relative uh, idea of how much you have used your compressor, or I mean your uh, tank, and and how much you're going to use it. So if I was going to use one of these systems, I would want to have a spare tank with me. And as soon as I get into that spare tank out on the trail or whatever, then I would take the one that is spent and I would have it filled at my local welding supply and have that as my backup. So with that limitation in mind, it's a good system. You just have to kind of plan ahead and know how much you're going to use your your tank and factor in all your friends and everything else that are going to want to have all this quick air available. With that, That's about all there is about airing down and airing up tires, and uh, we'll go on to a a subject uh, about uh, perhaps uh, driving in snow or axles or something like that in the future. See you on the trail.
you know, Steve says uh, Steve says that that's the end of it, but he's going to go to bed tonight, and just as he's dozing off, he's going, oh, you know there's one more. I've got one more. <laughs> there's one more thing I forgot to mention. What a wealth of knowledge. I mean, absolutely, and no pandering here. He, he knows something about everything having to do with Jeep. He was actually born in a Jeep. No, he wasn't, but close enough. So just because we're done with the airing up and down segments doesn't mean we're done with Jeep tips. Next week, Steve will be telling us about JK Axle Camber. Tammy, I think this was a question that you had in the past, and uh, Steve's going to answer that for us. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You know, I bet you know some other off-road enthusiasts uh, that may not be Jeep owners. That's okay. We don't hold it against them. Okay, we, maybe we do a little. Uh, but do them a favor. Next time you're on the trail, be sure to tell them about the 4x4 Radio Network. When they're relaxing, after you've pulled them off that obstacle, then they can go to the 4x4radionetwork.com and check out our other shows like the 4x4 Podcast, Center Steer Podcast, and the Trail Chasers Podcast. Uh, they may not own a Jeep, but that doesn't mean they have to go without great off-road podcasts. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut Man, up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. So Tony and Josh, back at the beginning of this year in 2018, I decided I wanted to start the year off with a series, and so I decided to call it my five must-haves. And it all stems from when I was a new Jeeper just a couple years ago, slash off-roader, um, I was overwhelmed with what to buy and where to start because the aftermarket for Jeeps and off-roading is just, there's so much out there and it's very daunting and you just, where do I start? So I started this series um, in episode 314, if you want to go back with the five must-haves to be prepared in your Jeep. And then I moved on to road safety, weather safety kits. And now tonight I'm going to share my five must-have items to give you a great start in building your off-road recovery kit. Now, the most important item in my book would have to be the recovery strap. And you're going to want to make sure you have a good quality recovery strap. And you're going to make want to make sure it's a recovery strap and not a toe strap. Because there's a big difference. The recovery straps are designed for the rigor- rigors of pulling out a stuck vehicle while a tow strap is designed for just flat road towing. So another item is a tree saver and a soft shackle or a shackle D-ring, a.k.a. D-ring. Those kind of all tie in together. Now, along with this, you want to make sure that all these items are properly rated Um they have the proper load. The recovery strap and the tree saver, they have warning tags with all sorts of information on them. And the metal shackles, or some call them D-rings, they have the rating stamped on them. Now, I shared more of this information on this topic in episode 301 of the Jeep Talk Show, if you want to go back and listen to that on how to figure out what kind of load rating that you need for your recovery strap and tree savers. And you can also check out my blog, post from today for more information on that at www.jeepmama.com. Okay, so now back to the five must-have basics for your off-road recovery kit. So along with the recovery strap, a shackle, and the toe or the tree savers, you're going to want a good pair of gloves when you're um, 
using all of these um, items. And another item I would suggest is a shovel. You don't need a big shovel, like a garden shovel. You don't need a snow shovel. Just one of those little folding shovels because you never know when you're going to have to dig yourself out of something or dig something out of somewhere under your Jeep. Or bury um, an I, old friend. Right, there you go. <laughs> um, I have a folding shovel that you know most campers um, use. And you're going to want to keep all of these items in really good condition to maintain the safety on the trails because that's our number one priority is safety on the trails. And I just want to remind you, these are not the only items you can have in your off-road recovery kit. These are just items that are meant so you can start your kit to build upon. And other kits I have mentioned or in some of the other kits that I have mentioned previously are items that you would use in your recovery kit, like a fire extinguisher or a flashlight or a first aid kit, jumper cables. They kind of all tie in together. So this is all going to start to prepare you for the off-road world. And like I said before, there's so many more items. And make sure you check your items for warnings and load ratings. Keep your gear in good condition. And this is going to help you be safe on road. You know, one of the, the most important things in my off-road recovery kit is gloves. I mean, yeah, tree straps and and, and, uh, and and toe straps and everything are great. Generally, you can probably find those along the trail, you know, other vehicles and whatnot. But, man, a good set of gloves is really a night and day difference out on the trail, especially if you got to, you know, climb some rocks, pull some cable, you know, you got to move some logs, you know, something like that. You know, deer skin or calfskin gloves really a must-have in, in the kit. And, and Tammy, glad you mentioned the shovel, whatnot, but I want to I add a little something to that in that at least out here in Oregon, they require a certain length of shovel, especially when uh, fire protection levels are at certain markers. Do and they let so you, you use the shovel by yourself, or do you have to have an attendant use it for you? Well, you know, the, the, reason, <laughs> the reason why is those shorter shovels put you into harm's way. It gets you closer to a fire, and that's really one of the main reasons why you, ah. you take a shovel out with you out into the wilderness. Yeah, you know, you can dig yourself out a little bit, but honestly, you're going to be probably digging out a fire more than you're going to be digging yourself out of the mud. Um, and, and so uh, a lot of a lot of the, you know, land management companies or, or you know, forestry agencies or whatever um, will require a certain length of shovel. And there's, you know, there's leverage factors in here and, and, of course, keeping yourself safe and all that stuff as well. So those folding shovels are great because they take up very little space. But they can be a little rickety. And in the case of or an event of, an, of a fire or something, you're coming down the trail and all of a sudden, oh, geez, you know, there's a burning log here in front of the, you know, or something like that. You may want a longer shovel so that you're not, uh, well, burning the hair off your arms as you're trying to dig out that fire. So let me make sure I understand this. You don't have to have a shovel, but if you do, it has to be a certain length. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. You know, it's interesting. That would have never crossed my mind because we, we don't see the wildfires here on the East Coast like you do on the West Coast. Oh, yeah, that's true. So it very well could be a, a just a right. regional thing, you know, because we are, you know, in constant fire danger out here yeah. on the West Coast. I mean, there's, you know, we have fire season. I mean, <laughs> we, uh, there's a fifth Whee! season out here in the Northwest. We call it fire <laughs> season. <and> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's probably where a lot of that comes from. So, and, you know, that's quite interesting. It's so you have to. You have to be aware of the region you are going to wheel in because, and you should do research into where you're going so you know that you'll need this when you go here and you'll need that when you go there. Good idea. So, great tip, Josh. 
Hey, Thanks. folks, coming up later in the show, we're going to continue talking recovery in Tech Talk. And next week on Wrangler Talk, I'm going to share my five must-have off-road accessories. That's a little different than a recovery kit. Anyway, my five off my five must-have off-road accessories every Jeeper should have. You know, Letterman always did a top ten on his show. Can we can we increase that to ten? Just half-assing yeah. it here, Tammy. Come I on. know. <laughs> short no, sweet to the point yeah that's always good well you guys back in 2016 we launched one of the most comprehensive jeep sites on the web and well it's all just for you if you have a love for jeeps then you need to check out jeeptalkforum.com i know what you're thinking but trust me this isn't like any other forum out there there's no making fun of the new guy and no attacking you for asking simple questions whether you're brand new to the jeep world or you're a longtime fabricator there's something for every jeeper at jeeptalkforum.com Hey, we love hearing from you guys, and you guys can leave us reviews and comments all sorts of ways. Just go check us out, deeptalkshow.com slash contacts, and you'll find the whole list of ways you can do that. Jared D. gave us five stars. He says, started listening about three to four months ago. On 119 of this year, just a week or so ago, I bought my first Jeep, a 98 XJ Sport. Thanks to y'all, I chose the XJ. I have listened to every episode on you on your app and thank you for all your insight tony josh and tammy keep up the great work and oh green jeeps are best <laughs> certainly the original right there yeah hey good mm-hmm. choice on that jared uh, 98 xj that's a solid platform to build and uh hey send us some pics of what you got and uh, maybe shoot us an email of what you have planned hey josh i bet you uh, remember back in xjtalk.com days on the forum uh the red jeep green jeep thing because that's how that whole color thing oh, got started yeah and i think that started <laughs> with the uh the whole red green show or something didn't it? Was, uh, timely yeah, references you know just and, I'll just, at you. and i'll just mention <laughs> i didn't start that either but I sure the hell finished it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, folks, we have several places where you can give us a review. Jared gave us this review on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Jeep Talk Show. But you can always leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or call in a voicemail. We always love hearing from you. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever have answers oh that's good because I, I it's tech talk with jeep talk a winch is a great tool and when you need one well let's face it you really need one and that means you need a winch you can count on because using it is usually your last resort in today's flooded market of inexpensive dare i say cheap winches a great compromise between a 299 dollars hot off the boat harbor freight winch and a much better but much more expensive 1200 dollars new winch is to buy a high quality used winch now i would take an old crusty but reliable quality winch over a new cheap one that smells like toxic off-gas plastic any day of the week and given that with some looking and a little know-how you can find a great used winch for a fraction of what a new high quality one costs so why wouldn't you buy a used one now i've boughten and or installed my fair share of used winches over the years and i've learned a few lessons about what to look for and what to avoid for instance i bet you didn't know that high quality name brand winches are just like about any other part of your jeep they can be rebuilt a slightly broken older worn ramsey or super winch probably has a much better chance of working when you absolutely need it to than that brand new junk from the discount tool store and by slightly broken i mean it doesn't need much more than a few parts in a little bit of love and if that's the case, well, then you can bet it will last a lot longer than some unheard of manufacturer's winch with all the flashy modern bells and whistles. 
Who cares if it's got a wireless key fob, if it can't even pull a beer out of the six-pack? I mean, I'll take reliability over flashing LED lights and bleeping indicators any day of the week. So, when it comes down to investing in something that might not only save your vehicle one day, but it could also save your life, well, then you need to be armed with as much advice as you can so that you can go get that winch on the front of your Jeep sooner and with a little more confidence. What we're going to do here is we're going to cover the different styles of winches out there. And yes, there are more than one. We'll cover load rating and power consumption needs. We'll go over some of the more common models you're likely to come across when searching for a used winch. And we'll outline the things you need to know, look out for, and how to identify them and how to troubleshoot potential problems with that diamond in the rough you just found on Craigslist. And Craigslist isn't the only source here. Your local four-wheel drive shop might have some takeoffs for sale. I know the ones around here do all the time. Be sure to hook up with the local off-road clubs, too, if you're not already, that is. Jeepers are always upgrading or trying to sell off the used and abused or outright broken gear to someone who can make use of it. Keep a diligent eye out, as you'll be able to ask detailed questions of the previous owner's use of the winch and might be able to get a screaming deal. Smaller used car lots and auto auctions could also be a good source. Oftentimes, a vehicle is stripped of much of the aftermarket goodies before it goes on the block, and while well, they carry a higher value in private sale outside the auction. Might take a little more footwork, but you just might find the deal of a lifetime, too. Now, if you're on Facebook, your local town likely has a sell and swap, sell and swap section where you could occasionally find a winch posted, but not likely going to last long there, so act fast, act fast if you see one. And yes, of course, there's eBay. But shipping on a used winch might be a bit much, and well, sort of goes against the whole concept of buying a winch on a budget. Okay, now that we know the kinds of places of where to look for a used winch, let's talk about what to look for. The first step in buying a used winch is to know what you're looking for. You'll need to decide what style of winch you want too, a low-profile one, maybe one of those older classic upright ones that just you know have that reputation. And also match the look of that CJ7 you got out in the barn. Well, a PTO winch is also probably not going to be on your radar, so I'm going to avoid talking about those altogether, and we're just going to go ahead and assume that you don't have an existing hydraulic system on your Jeep, so we're going to avoid hydraulic winch systems as well. Most people opt for the more common wide drum style of electric winches that you see more and more on the front of Jeeps. Now that we have a basic idea of the shape of winch that we're looking for, we're going to need to figure out what size of winch or how heavy of a rating you're going to need for your rig. Here's a good rule of thumb, Jeepers is to take the gross vehicle weight rating, the GVWR, and multiply it by 1.5. I know, you were told there'd be no math. For example, if you've got a newer Jeep Wrangler Rubicon two-door, a quick visit to Jeep's website shows the vehicle's GVWR is right about 5,000 pounds. We're going to go ahead and do some rounding here. Multiply this by 1.5 and you get your minimum capacity here. In this case, it would be 7,500 pounds. So for this JK, an 8,000-pound rated winch would be a good place to start. But for some extra grunt, you can move up to a 9,000 or a 9,500-pound winch. Remember, you can always go up in capacity, but you never, ever want an underrated winch as it likely won't be able to recover you from being stuck. The higher the load rating, the faster it's likely to pull the same rig out, too. An 8,000-pound rated winch will have to work a little bit harder to pull out that JK out of a mud hole than, say, a 9,500-pound one. Speed isn't always a critical issue unless you're in competition. Getting unstuck is way more important than how fast you do it. And how hard that winch works brings us to our next point in buying a used winch, and that's power consumption. Now, I'll get into this next time, as there are several things to take into consideration, and I want to make sure I don't throw too much of you all at once. This is going to get a little complex in some cases. In episode 318, we're going to continue this segment with what your Jeep will need to hook up a winch, and some of the models you're likely to find out there and what to look out for on them. 
you know, I've, I know I've mentioned this before, but I remember, you know, back before the internet, uh, we four by four enthusiasts would look at magazines. They were paper, and you could. <laughs> wait, wait, what turn is this them. magazine you speak of? Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm unfamiliar with this. This is a, a written publication. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> with uh, actual pictures, uh, and you didn't print, swipe left printed. or right. You just, no, well, you could. Uh, and a lot of people would wet their fingers, but at any rate, in the back, they would have the advertisements and I would see these advertisements of winches that you could get for your four by four vehicles. And the selling point was it was hanging. The whole truck was hanging from a tree by the winch. Oh yeah. That tells you, you got enough power to pull that, you know, to get that whole vehicle's weight on that winch and a really sturdy tree. So, I was going to say, that's a hell of a branch, too. <laughs> <laughs> really, though. <laughs> so it was really cool seeing that. And, uh, boy, I wanted a winch for years and years and years, and uh, I didn't get my first winch and, uh, until this Jeep. Um, yeah, I like climbing trees, too, but let's go ahead and leave the Jeep on the ground, <laughs> shall we? Tammy needs hey a guys, winch. In the, yeah, yes, in the I meantime, do. if you guys have a question about Jeep tech, mods, electrical, anything Jeep-related, or maybe you just need advice on a build, well, shoot me an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. Put in the subject line, Tech Talk. I'll get it for sure. And I'll answer your question directly. I may even select it to air here on the show as well. So get those emails in, guys. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? What are you talking about, man? Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? I got no idea what the heck. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Get out of my face, yo. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? No clue. And where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at jeeptalkshow.com. You know, one of the most exciting things about owning a Jeep is modifying it. It's so cool. You can do all these things to it. Spend an ungodly amount of money, too, at the same time. Uh, you you can make it just a little different than everybody else's, or at least the stock ones that you see out on the streets. You can get new tires, new wheels, a uh, lift. It goes on and on. But trust me, make this your first modification. Toe points. Uh, you know, you're going to make that left turn instead of a right one day and hit that muddy field you've been eyeballing. Now, we're not saying to do anything illegal, but, well, you know how you are. <laughs> you're going to get stuck out there and you're going to be in a panic calling your friends to come get you unstick uh, or unstuck before the popo shows up. Do people still say popo? Uh, anyway, <laughs> you'll need front and rear toe points. Ask me how I know. So toe points, there's lots of ways of doing it. Uh, look it up, look it up. Uh, we'll tell you more about it, but coming up next week, how much lift do I need? And when I say I, I mean you. Hi, Jeep Talk Show. It's Dave from Oregon again. I want to thank uh, you guys and Josh for answering my question about the sway bar disconnects. Um, I think maybe putting on a takeoff sway bar disconnect from a Rubicon is a good idea, although I won't worry about the electrical connections. Uh, they have a, a manual knob that you can buy that can disconnect those sway bars just by turning the knob. And when you can find them, they usually a pretty good deal. Also, Josh, thank you so much for letting me know that you're the guy in the Honda waving to me. Uh, oh. I didn't want to be rude and not wave back, but I got to tell you, it made me feel a little uneasy uh, until I found out that it was you doing it. 
So thank you. <laughs> and hey, you know, since I live in kind of work in Oregon area, uh, and you do too, let me know if you want to grab lunch sometime. Thanks. Yeah, I'll be in contact with you. We'll try and set something up here in the near future. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Well, Tammy, I'm really excited tonight to have uh, a representative from ARB uh, in our interview. The gentleman's name is Scott. And uh, based on some of the, the back and forth that we've been doing in emails, Scott has a lot of Jeeping experience and uh, very excited to uh, talk to him about it tonight. Scott, thanks for being with us. Uh, very happy to be here. So, uh, Scott, I got to tell you, there was two lockers that were on my list that I wanted to get for, uh, for my Jeep Cherokee. Uh, and uh, it was Ox, which with, with the cable switching, and it was ARB with the, the airline switching. Now, I don't particularly care for the whole idea of having to have another piece of equipment to turn on and off the locker you know, via the compressed air. But, boy, it sure is nice not having to think about where to run those cables. So uh, I went with the ARBs. Now, I haven't installed them yet, and, and this, you know, truth be told, I've never used uh, lockers at all uh, on, the, on the trail or on the road. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. And in, in fact, I've had a lot of people telling me, no, you need to do a lot of wheeling without lockers first because it's just too damn easy with lockers. Oh, I, I completely agree with that. I really believe that you need to learn how to pick a line before you ever have a vehicle with lockers because I can tell you by a lot of experience and watching a lot of newbies that you'll see people that have brand new Jeeps with Rubicons that have the factory lockers, and quite honestly, the Jeep is far more capable than they are. <laughs> well, hey, I can see that, but boy, it just, uh, that just makes me tingly. I like the idea of just having something that is a lot better than I am. Oh, it works out very well, and having an onboard air supply doesn't hurt either. Being able to air down, I think that's one of the most important things that we did to our vehicles way back in the day was get onboard air systems because when you can get that big, fat, wider footprint, yeah, the lockers help a lot, but I'll tell you, having the ex extra traction from the footprint and the more comfortable ride, it is totally worth having an onboard air system. So um, how did you get uh, hooked up with uh, ARB? You sound like you have a, a, a very long career, if not uh – uh, personal uh, use of uh, off-road and, and Jeeps. Uh, it sounds like you had a, this is almost like a dream job that you got into. Oh, it really is. I, I lucked into it uh, uh, talking to some people at an event that just happened to be looking for somebody with my skills. And uh, it, it's been very worthwhile ever since. I was lucky to work for a major, major axle manufacturer as well. So I got to learn from the, the ground up how these axles are built. And uh, uh, honestly, the lockers and, and the drivetrain have been my love for the entire time. I, that's where I focused, and uh, I love it. It's it's an important part of what we do out in the woods, and and you got to get there and, and get the right parts. So, um, Scott, I, earlier you were we we were talking about um, the lockers, and I understand something um, some new product is just coming out today. As a matter of fact, well, absolutely. We just put the press release out today for a part that is uh, RD249CE, and it is a 40-spline, 9-inch differential. And it's something that uh, we've got some of the King of the Hammers cars, and it is, uh, we like to say it's made out of unobtainium because it is incredibly <laughs> heavy-duty. It's the most expensive locker we've ever built, and it has to be tough. Um, our tooling gets beat by it. it is, it's made out of 
hardened steel. It is, it's really, really tough. And, uh, we've had a lot of testing on it and, uh, it's a brute. It really, truly is. Now, is it, is this something like just, you know, a normal, you know, jeeper like myself would benefit from, or is it more for like somebody at King of the Hammers? Definitely the king of the hammers type, especially with a, a 1.740 spline shaft. It, it is definitely designed for a lot of horsepower, a lot of tire, and a lot of aggressive driving. That's what it's designed to take, and king of the hammers is that test, that's for sure. So what kind of stuff do you have for, you know, I guess you'd call it us little guys, you know, who are just going <laughs> over a couple rocks here and there, and, you know, maybe in the mud, well, sand... You may not know this, but right now we have over 120 applications that are active for different vehicles wow. from from the from pretty much every Jeep, um, CJ up, and uh, for Toyotas and Suzukis and Nissans and and all sorts of things worldwide. We we provide uh, a lot of different applications. That's amazing. Well, it certainly sounds like uh, you got a lot of stuff for people to to use. I know that there's a lot of ARB products. Uh, I, th I think at one point, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, you guys actually bought uh, IPF and you ha now have their uh, uh, headlight housings and uh, uh, the bulbs as well. Well, that's not, not our company. That's a company that we deal with out of Japan. It's a very, very high quality uh, product. Uh, we've had that for a number of years now and it's, it's a great addition to our line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually uh, got that uh, and uh, put in the uh, uh, 110 watt uh, bulbs because... Uh, uh, I got tired of people uh, reading their uh, cell phones instead of driving. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have, haven't we? I've, I've switched over to adjustable LEDs now so I can bring up the brightness uh, to get their attention. But anyway, I digress. Um, so uh, tell me something. There was something I've heard over and over on the, the Jeep forums uh, other than uh, somebody's asked that question a thousand times before, go, uh, go someplace else. <laughs> uh, the, the, often people say, if you don't feel comfortable installing uh, your locker, don't do it yourself. Have somebody else do that. Uh, you're, you're a professional. You know act, uh, the axles. Is that an accurate statement? Absolutely. Uh, my, my response to people is that if you have to ask how to install it, you shouldn't even try. Um, there are tool, special tools that are required to do it. If you're just changing out the locker itself uh, with, with an, open an open differential to the locker, it's not a huge deal, and a lot of people can do that. The competent backyard mechanic with the proper tools can do it. But when it comes to doing the, the usual, which is doing a locker install with a gear change at the same time, you really want to do this the right way. It's very important, and it's very, very expensive if you do it wrong. Yeah, because it's going to be uh, chewed up, and you're going to be buying uh, a lot of new parts. Um, so right now I'm sitting on, and we're going to make this about me, Tammy, uh, right uh, now I'm, of course. <laughs> I've got the 456 gears in my Chrysler 8.25 and, uh, uh, high pinion Dana 30 up front. Uh, and I have lockers, uh, the ARB air lockers for each one of those. So what you're saying is, is that I potentially could, uh, stick with the same, uh, shims. And of course on the Chrysler, it would be the adjustments on the side, but I, I wouldn't have to have those special tools and perhaps I could do it myself. Oh, the, I've already broken the rule. I've I've asked if I could do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, if it's just the locker itself you're changing and not doing a gear swap, uh, the first thing you're going to want to do is check the backlash. And it doesn't matter what the backlash is, you're going to want to maintain what, what it is when you pull it out. Because if you don't maintain it, once you set the gears up again or put the new locker in, 
uh, it will howl. It will wear out very quickly. It has to have the backlash it had when you pulled it out. What that entails is making sure that you, it's shimmed properly, your, your bearing preload is right, but you're not worrying about pinion depth, things like that. So it's a, it's a lot easier. It's not that it's a, a, a walk in the park, but the average guy can do it with things like a, a dial indicator and a torque wrench. He can get it done. Okay. That all just went woo way over my head. A lot of it did for me too, uh, Tammy. I've heard those terms before, and I, frankly, I was just going to look them up, and uh, based on what he said, and I was going to look them up and then see what I thought about that, and if I had the tools to do it, or how much it would cost to buy those things that I would need to do it. Well, realistically, that, it's really nice to be able to drop it off to somebody that knows what they're doing, have it done right, and if you do have a problem, you can take it back to them rather than having to explain to your significant other why you had to spend three times the amount of money to put your locker in. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Very true. Oh, I did it the easy way. I just bought a Rubicon. Cheating. Yeah. Well, we love our Rubicons. Everybody does, but here, here's your trivia for the day. Um, our Rubicon locker or replacement locker, which is a 35 spline unit uh, rather than 32 spline and 30 spline that you have in your Jeep now, is one of our top sellers. That is, uh, when people use that in a very aggressive way, it frequently fails and they come to us for the replacement and it's a top seller for us. That's interesting. I did not know that. I thought the Rubicon was, uh, was top of the line. In fact, I'm surprised uh, Jeep hadn't contacted you guys about uh, putting your lockers in, in their, uh, as in uh, quote unquote factory lockers. We could never afford to sell them to them. Oh, I guess so. Right. They'd want to well, dig deep cuts. Yeah. Right. Well, the other thing too, I hear about not only the lockers, but the sway bar disconnect is both of those eventually will go out and you need to replace them. So, I mean, it is on my list. And, I mean, my Rubicon's of 2015. And so I know maybe in a couple of years I might have to replace a lot of that stuff that so, was factory. So let me ask you this. Let's, let's say you're a, a young woman, you've got a Rubicon with uh, lockers and you're going to replace it. Is, the, is there more than one uh, ARB locker that you would recommend? I mean, is there an op op opportunity to maybe uh, increase the spline count on some axles and go with uh, more, uh, you know, more, uh, what am I trying to say, toothiness, uh, the grab uh, on the, the axle between the axle and the locker? Well, you really have to change axle splines. The, the factory lockers that are in there, and after talking about our torque wrench and, and uh, tools we were talking about, I don't want to go over anybody's head. <laughs> you, yeah, the, no matter what. The, differential, the center of the differential on the factory locker is very unusual to the industry. It's nothing like the industry produces, whether it's an open differential in a stock vehicle or the aftermarket. It's very unusual. And huh. we can't build our locker to that same center line. So we can build one to fit in the housing, but we can't build it the same center line. And in this case, it means that if you put our locker in and it had the same spline count and all that, the axle shafts would be the wrong length to fit inside of it. Hmm. Interesting. So knowing that the axle shafts would be close, but not good enough, we knew that people would try to attempt it anyway, not reading the instructions <laughs> or whatever, or not realizing right. what they had. And then there would have some axle shaft failures and tearing up lockers and all that. So to that end, we made the, the Rubicon locker 35 spline, and that way they have to buy new, lock, new axle shafts to make it work. All right, Tammy, so you're making your parts list? I mean, you're Yeah, gonna, it uh, keeps growing and growing. You're going to be happy, oh, but you're going to be a lot happier uh, with the, with the, the, the high-end uh, lockers, I'm, I have no doubt. So, uh, But just real quick, Tony, to be honest with you, I, like Scott said earlier, I very rarely use my lockers. 
um, because I started out stock and I pick my lines and, um, but I haven't gotten to that level yet where I'm going over huge, gigantic rocks. But um, right now I've probably used my lockers less than five times. Really? Well, one of yeah. the things that you're going to find out about lockers, and, and this is the, the, this is the thing that I try to pe- preach to everybody that is, that is relatively new to the sport, uh, or our hobby, if you will, is you have to treat lockers as if you're t- treating your four-wheel drive, which means you need to be in four-wheel drive before you need four-wheel drive. The same thing with the lockers. The lockers need to be locked up before you need them. Right. Because driving into a hole in two-wheel drive or unlocked, where it's really slippery or off-camber or whatever, you may not get out just by putting in four-wheel drive or just by turning on the lockers. You need to have it locked up before you go in. So, uh, I don't know. This might be a uh, an unfair question for you, Scott, but between the aux locker and the ARB locker, what are the benefits over one over the other? And, it, and I, I'm fine with the ARB coming out on top, frankly. <laughs> Well, I, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus because the, the lockers that are out there for, for their applications, for how they're used, they're, there's, there's a lot of decent products out there. The, the thing that's going to get ARB out, uh, out in front is going to be the applications and the, the service behind the product. We have the applications for all sorts of vehicles, as I previously mentioned. We have stellar service to make sure that, that when you get the locker, the five-year warranty is valid and we're going to take care of products. And that means we've overnighted things. We take care of things right away. It's the service behind it. We sell a pre- premium product and we back it up like it's a premium product. You can go to pretty much any website, uh, off-road website, anywhere, and you're, you're going to find some great comments about our service. We, we back it up. We truly do. And it's, it, it's, it, we make our name on our service. So this kind of dovetails in uh, with that whole idea of how, how good your product is and the service, I suppose. Um, the, um, I see a lot. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. I see, uh, well, I'll use the term. You don't have to. Chinese knockoffs. Uh, that look just like an ARB uh, locker, just like it, and for a fraction of the cost. Now, I remember uh, researching a few years ago before I bought my lockers, uh, and I saw, and I think it was some tests that you guys were doing, uh, maybe it was the Australian uh, uh, group or something, uh, where they were uh, put put the locker on a big machine and just twisted the hell out of it. <laughs> and it, oh, yeah. it cracked like an Easter egg. <laughs> We guys like to break things. Yes. <laughs> well, yes, I've, I've seen the same video, and uh, the Chinese knockoffs really here in the U.S. aren't much of an issue for us because they, they just don't make it over here. The, the laws we have keep most of them out of the U.S. In Australia, they're quite common, and they have to fight it over there all the time. The real difference from what I understand with the Chinese knockoff is that the, the tolerances are so bad that the gears don't set up very well on them. So you end up with gears that make a lot of noise, wear out quickly, and just not something you want to risk getting into. This isn't like putting on a water pump where you take it off and you have a bad one and you have another one on in an hour and a half. This is a major surgery on your vehicle, and putting the right one in the first time makes all the difference. Yeah, it's not something, uh, like you say, it's not changing a water pump. There's, there's a lot of effort to it, and a lot of things can go wrong if it's not done properly. Um, so, you know, Tammy, it just dawned on me. We didn't ask the basic question. What does a locker do for you? Why do you, why do you need a locker? 
Well, the lockers are really designed for the the position where you lift a tire up. If you've done any four-wheeling at all, even if you just borrowed your mom's Explorer and went and played out <laughs> in the woods, you probably got in a position where you had all four tires on the ground, but two of them, usually one front and one rear, um, generally opposite sides, were not getting good traction. And even though the other two tires were on the ground and had perfect traction, you were stuck. We've all been there. Yeah. And what this does is it allows the axle, the, the full torque of the axle to go to both tires equally. So even if you've got two tires up in the air, the tires on the ground are still going to push the vehicle. As I put it, and I was a little disappointed when I found this out a few years ago, uh, you're, you're, uh, when you're in two-wheel drive, you're actually in one-wheel drive. Yep. <laughs> and when you're in four-wheel drive, you're in two-wheel drive. What the hell? That, there needs to be a class action lawsuit against uh, the 4 by 4 manufacturers. <laughs> well, and there's also the confusion people have with locking hubs. I can't tell you how many times people say, I've already got lockers, oh. and they're actually talking about their locking hubs. Interesting. I, I, yeah, that, that, I can see that. That's, you know, the word lock is in both of them. Right. It certainly is. Uh, so, and, and just so if you guys don't know what locking hubs are, it just basically allows you to engage or disengage the, the front axles. So uh, you, can, um, you can turn the locker on in the front, and if the, the hubs aren't locked, uh, you're not going to have the, the the power going to those wheels. So uh, the the Jeep Cherokees and uh, uh, Tammy, you don't have locking hubs. Uh, the Jeep Cherokees don't. But that '83 uh, Chevrolet truck that I had that I was talking to you before the show, mm-hmm. it had locking hubs, uh, and they were they were brand new uh, at the time. Automatic locking hubs, which was such a pain in the ass because you had yeah. to listen for two clicks to make sure they were unlocked. Otherwise, you could do significant damage to your axle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are, there are pros and cons to locking hubs. Uh, I've got them on, on one of my rigs. I don't on the other one, but um, uh, there have been many times that I have forgotten to lock the hubs. Just that, that silly second yeah. you forget, or your best friend unlocks them for you. Um, that's happened. <laughs> I, I had locking hubs front and rear uh, on, my, on my CJ5, and friends commonly at, at lunch break would unlock your rear hubs. <laughs> At the at the same time as they were putting a zip tie on your uh, one of your axles, I mean one of your drive shafts, right? Drive shafts. Yep, yep. You have the same friends, huh? <laughs> oh, it's great. Uh, it's great. Uh, so um, w- before we get wrapped up here, uh, I want to find out. Uh, it, maybe you can uh, tell us a few other items. I mean, I know we, everybody likes looking at the magazines and online ads and stuff, but what what are some of the other items that ARB sells? Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that shocked me when I first went working for the company as well. I know mostly about lockers. That's where I came from. That's what I knew the most about. I was shocked to find out how deep the line is going from um, lockers to air compressors to suspension to bumpers, um, touring gear such as rooftop tents, swags, awnings, awning rooms, recovery gear, um, X jack, an exhaust jack that lifts up the vehicle. Just the the litany of products we have from lighting, uh, roof racks. Jeez, it just goes on. How and long on. do you have, Tony? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and this is great because this lets everybody know if you're not familiar with all the other products that ARB makes, uh, you need to make yourself familiar with them because there's a lot of them, and uh, the same quality that you would expect in the locker you can expect in those those other items. You know, you mentioned the, uh, was it the X-Jack that you were, the inflatable bag? Yes. 
So I don't know if you have any knowledge on that, but I actually saw a post the other day on Facebook where somebody was asking, uh, should I, I'm looking at this, 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 uh, this airbag <laughs> that I'm going to put under my vehicle. And, uh, should I, because things are very hot and sharp underneath there. Oh, it's, it's very, very durable and it's really designed to go underneath the frame rail and it works very quickly. You would be surprised at how fast it will lift up the side of a vehicle. Yeah, and the great it's thing, great tool. yeah, and the great things, guys. Uh, the great thing about it is, you don't have to blow it up for yourself. You just hook it up to the exhaust pipe. <laughs> and let right, the, and not only the exhaust, you can also use it with with your compressed air on your onboard air. It oh, work with that as well. Uh, we sell a lot of them to the military. Uh, it's it's a product that's used a lot in snow and in sand. Yeah, makes sense. So, Scott, I I just have a little tiny complaint um, about about your recovery. This gear. wasn't cleared uh, yeah. through HR. <laughs> Um, and I know everyone's thinking, wondering, what is she going to say? So I see the ARB winch extension strap. Now, why don't you make your other straps in that same color, like your recovery strap and your tree protector? Why Are is you it suggesting we make something as awful looking as purple? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. Have I hit a nerve? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> No, I'm like, why is it? Why is purple only in that winch extension strap, which I don't need because I don't have a winch yet. You don't have a winch? I know. No, not oh. yet. She well, f- she Tony, famously you don't have lockers, so come on, give her a break. She famously yeah. said on a show uh, a couple of years ago, actually, I don't need a winch. I'm, I'm not going to get stuck. Yeah. Oh, that that's doomed. <laughs> You're doomed after that one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I've only gotten stuck once, and it was easy to get out. It was just up on a little knock on wood. I'm going wheeling this weekend too. Watch me get really stuck. And damn it, Scott, well, I want to be carrying those lockers around in the back of my Jeep so I can legitimately say that I have lockers in my Jeep. In my Jeep, yeah. <laughs> no, you've got to put one up front so you can say you've got them in both ends. Yeah. <laughs> All get right. Installed. You're embarrassing me. No, no yes. purple, no purple. Yep. How much? Yeah, and how, how much do you think it's 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 reasonable to pay to have a locker installed? Just the locker, because I have I already have the the ring and pinion I want. The talented guys are going to spend about three hours getting the the locker itself installed somewhere around in there, and then you've got the the compressor and the lines, and I would assume you can do all that stuff yourself yeah. in, in your own garage. But the the a locker itself is probably in the three hour range, and, and some guys can do it a lot quicker than that even. It depends on who you go to, and hopefully you'll go to somebody that has some real experience in it. Somebody was quoting me, a shop was quoting me $900 an axle. And I was like, holy hell. So, yeah, I mean, I, I work on every aspect of my Jeep. The only thing I haven't done, uh, I was I was there when we were doing the ring and pinion, but I was just watching. Uh, so uh, I've done every other thing on the Jeep with the exception of uh, changing out the uh, the differential stuff. So. Right. Well, that brings up a very good point is, is if you're going to do ring and pinions, I recommend that you hold off just a little bit longer until you can afford the lockers at the same time, because doing this at one time is going to save you a ton of money. Had you put the locker in when you did the ring and pinion, you would have saved a lot of money. No, I agree. Uh, and, and that was, that was suggested to me way back when, when that was done, when the 456 gears went in there, but good Lord, the, the gas mileage was horrible. Uh, on my Jeep, uh, even worse than what it normally would be. So the 456 gears were, were really trying to um, get that near $4, uh, $4 a gallon gas uh, to go a little wow. bit further. So 
Uh, no, but absolutely. That was the, the best thing, the best advice anybody gave me and the best advice I think you can give is that you should do them both at the same time. What size tires are you running? Uh, at the time I was running 32s. Now I'm, uh, I'm on 33s. So yeah, I can't go, you can't go 35s with all, all, without several modifications on the Cherokee to, uh, to be able to handle that a, additional torque and, and it stuff. either requires a lot of lift or a lot of sawzall. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've got the, uh, the bushwhackers on there, so I do have a bit of clearance. Um, all right. Well, uh, let, uh, you know, I could sit here and talk to you all night about this stuff. It's just too much fun, but, uh, we, we really want to wrap it up so we can let you get back to the things that the ARB things that you got planned. Uh, how can people uh, reach out to you or ARB, you know, on the social media? That's what all the kids are using these days. Well, ARBUSA.com is our website and please make sure that you get that one because if you go to ARB, you're going to end up to Australia and heaven yes. knows what you'll find over there. Um, but <laughs> ARBUSA.com is where you'll find us and uh, our site shows everything that we, we offer here in the U.S. and it's a, it's a very good site. You'll find a lot of products that interest you regardless of how you use your vehicle. And uh, if they go over there now, they, they won't even be able to see that, uh, that new uh, locker product that you were talking about because that's just something brand new. It is brand new. I don't know if they've got that on the homepage yet. They may have it on there. They will see something on there new that is our links. Did, did we talk about that at all? I don't think so. It's a, it's a switching station, basically. It, 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 the head of it looks like a cell phone. And it comes with a gimbal mount and a, oh, wow. a brain. And it allows you to hook up all your accessories to this where you can flip them on from inside the vehicle by the, the head of itself that, again, looks like a cell phone. I so saw, you can have all the lights in the world on it. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I saw a post about that, and I forgot to ask you about it. There was a post on Facebook. Uh, it was a bunch of black boxes with ARB on it, I believe, yeah. that were all in, in shrink wrap, you know, like a, this big shipment yeah. had come in. So, uh, so. When you say all your accessories, uh, you mean like lights and uh, I guess air compressor and uh, you know what what's the limitations there? Well, right now it is it's set up for six different modules, and the modules being um, the air compressor, lockers, uh, GPS, battery monitor. Uh, it escapes me all of them at the moment, but um, it's set up for twenty five. So this is a completely expandable unit that we will be putting out different uh, additions later on that you can download off the system and use it that way. When we show the vehicle at SEMA, we can use airbags on it. So you could actually set airbags, say you have a pickup truck or your tow vehicle for your Jeep, if you will, and maybe you've got a boat, a car trailer, utility, whatever. You could set your airbags to individual rates based on those trailers. So you have a car trailer that needs 50 pounds of air. You have that uh, uh, dialed in. So you can hit the button and it goes directly to 50. So you can adjust your airbags with this, this uh, um, links. You can also inflate or deflate tires with it. So you could say set your tires for 25 PSI and you've got uh, three tires that are at 20 and one tire that's at 30. As you put the, the inflator on it, it will inflate the three and it will deflate the fourth. <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and how do you spell that? Is it, cause it sounds like L I N K S L I L I N X L I N X. Okay. There you go, right. folks. Yeah. You I remember airblinks.com and you'll find it. And it's a, it's a great thing to take a look at. It's, it's got some really interesting, interesting features and you're going to be able to do a lot of, uh, um, uh, monitoring and controlling with simply the, the, the head of this thing. It's it's very interesting product. So when you said it, it mounts with, well, you said it has a gimbal. I would assume you're talking about it right. mounts with a gimbal. 
So there's a yes, way of mounting so, the control head? Correct. So you're, you're mounting what looks like the cell phone, and it's, it's Bluetooth, but it's also got the connection there as well that you can hook it up. And uh, you can hook it up and, and have it on your dash, so you can uh, operate all these different things right off of this, this unit. Uh, one of the cool things about it that changes people's minds when they decide, oh, why can't I just do this with my phone? One, the full list price in the entire unit is 695 which most phones are more expensive than that. Right. And the other part is the lens on this is designed to work with Polaroid sunglasses. Oh, that's quite nice. Sweet. Yes. Yes. It's <laughs> so one of those things. If you guys don't know uh, what he's talking about, uh, some displays, uh, like LCD displays, uh, the polarization on that is one way, and the polarization on your sunglasses may be the opposite. So whenever you look through those sunglasses at that, that display – you see nothing but a blank screen. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, what? In my case, I have a ham radio that, that has an LCD display, and I had these sunglasses on. I'd lost my Ray-Bans, or I was waiting for a new pair, and I had these new sunglasses, and I go, oh, crap, my radio's broken. I see that it's on, but I can't. And I raised up the glasses. I went, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> there, there you go. So, well, there are going to be a lot of different options for this uh, as time goes by. We've got a lot of room to expand it. Uh, one of the cool things that you don't even think about till you see the, it operate is it can be adjusted to fit the color of your dash. Uh, so you've got oh. red lights on your dash. You can make it go to that proper red or blue or whatever it is, any shade in between. It's the full rainbow. You can turn, tune it so that it looks just like your interior gauges. So I have to ask That's you. Cool. I have to ask you for my, my host here. My co-host oh, yeah. here is purple. purple. Those colors. Purple. There you go. Uh, yeah. So Tammy's go. Tammy's shopping right as we speak. I, I know. I know. I'm bad. <laughs> oh, that's great. And uh, if you guys, uh, you guys go. Well, that sounds all fun and uh, fun and dandy. But you know, I don't know if I really want to want something like that. It, when you go to start mounting switches for all your items that you want to be able to control, physical switches, you're going to say, "Hmm, it'd be nice if I could consolidate this all and." in one place that's nice and neat and I don't have to run all these wires and do all this crap, that's what the link system will do for you. So You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And that's one of the things the installers have been telling us from day one. The hardest thing about installing lockers and some of these other products that you have out there is finding a place for the switch that works. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. They don't leave a – now, of course, your, your products are not just for Jeeps, but uh, uh, speaking just for the, the Jeep uh, and the listeners – uh, Jeeps are really small and it's very hard to find any, uh, easy place to put the switches. So, uh, and <laughs> even harder to keep, uh, have them someplace where you don't accidentally, uh, uh press them. Alrighty. So we, uh, we covered all that and, uh, well, that's some exciting stuff. I'm glad you remembered about that link system. I had forgotten about that. It was an exciting thing, uh, that, uh, that I did want to talk about. Um, so, uh, Scott, anything else that you can think of that maybe we missed that is uh, earth shaking? <laughs> Nothing too earth-shaking at the moment, but uh, we do have a full line of products. And if your 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 show is to talk about Jeeps, we sell a lot of different products for the Jeep world. And and at ARB, this is where we come from. Uh, yes, ARB is out of Australia; it's Toyota based, but here in the U.S., we speak Jeep, and we really do like the the products that that go on Jeeps, and and we know about them, and we want to get you the product that's right for your rig. Excellent. Scott, thanks a lot for being with us tonight. I oh, yeah, uh, certainly you, appreciate Scott. you making the time. And uh, you guys won't notice it because uh, I'll edit it out. But we even had uh, phone issues tonight. So we stayed with this and got this great interview. Thanks again. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I really do.
Hey, I want to say thanks again to Scott for taking the time to chat with us a little bit. And it's so much good information there. And God, I I was telling Tammy off off the air about this site that I found called this is why I'm broke.com. I think the <laughs> ARB needs to change their their web right. domain to this. Because really, I, I, I there's so much that I could it, really their product line has expanded so much that uh, this is why I am broke. <laughs> now I think is the ARB shopping list has just grown exponentially. But uh, thanks, Scott. Thanks for emptying out the pocketbook, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> and hey, Jeepers, if you have a suggestion for guest interviews, well, don't be shy. We want to hear from you. Drop us a line. Let us know who you would like to hear on the Jeep Talk Show interview. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And a boy, helicopter flying overhead. Those black helicopters are always following me. <laughs> like this sci-fi news drop, you know. <laughs> I think they found me. Just want to make a quick comment about the uh, show last week. Uh, I go to Tammy Jeep Mama's blog, and uh, there's Nate. I go on YouTube. And uh, there's Nate, SWB Crawler again. So I turn on the Jeep Talk Show, and there's Nate again. <laughs> it's almost as if somebody is stalking somebody. So, uh, Nate, when you're at the police department filling out that restraining order, uh, you want to ask for Form 34-7, <laughs> or just ask for the Nikki G quick form. It's already filled out. All you got to do is just sign your name and date it. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. I think they call that the Nikki G easy. Gone now. <laughs> All right, I'll chat you later, and you have a good one. Bye. I was gonna say he's got he's got to make it quick before the helicopter circles back around and gets the right. spotlight on him again. <laughs> oh, great stuff from Nikki G. We we appreciate it. every week Nikki G comes up with Love something that else. guy. Yep, yep. Love faithful, that. faithful, faithful. Yeah. You must have needed this every day. It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff, pick of the week for your Jeep. And this week we have picked out an item out of the grab sack, and this is one of those kind of must-have items for the Jeep. Really makes life a lot easier, especially when you get into outfitting your Jeep with things like must-have items in your recovery kit and whatnot. And this falls right in suit with that, the original Quick Fist. I love these things. The original Quick Fist clamp for mounting tools and equipment, and they've got all kinds of sizes. The one I like is the one inch to two and a quarter inch diameter, and they come in a two-pack for like 11 bucks. You get them on Amazon all day long. These things will hold objects one inch to two and a quarter inches in diameter, which is perfect for things like shovels and axes and you know maybe a, a breaker bar or your, your high lift handle, you know, things like that. These things are not affected by hot or cold climates, meaning they're not going to chap and crack and break apart like those crappy, you know, bungee cords that you get at the truck stop. They're UV resistant, meaning they're not going to turn gray in a, in, a, in a year. And they're made of heavy-duty transportation-grade rubber. I mean, these things are indestructible. They mount easy with one number 10 screw or bolt, which is not included. Gives you the option to, you know, using some stainless steel hardware or something if you'd like. But these things really are an invaluable addition to your Jeep, especially if you need to mount something to your roof rack or, or you know, any of that sort of stuff. Check out the original Quick Fist. They really are invaluable. Well, I hope you guys haven't died of the flu yet. Now, I just... 
really nope, good out here. I, I, I get one really nasty sickness a year, maybe, or that. I haven't gotten a flu shot since I was 11. And I, I will not get a flu shot. I don't I'm, think I've no. ever had one. Um, it just, and it's only, what are they saying? 10, depending on who, who you're listening to, between 10 and 30% effective. Yeah. And you're going to get sick. Yeah. I mean, no thanks. I'm good. <laughs> Scary. Young people dying from this thing. So, uh, yeah, you guys, uh, make sure you wash your hands and, uh, you, you don't do, if you're not, if you're a close talker, don't be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. just, just saw, stay home. Saw that episode on Seinfeld the other night, so it was uh, fresh in my mind. Timely reference. It's like '94. That's a long time ago. Hey, speaking of uh, uh, speaking of specking, speaking of uh, checking out uh, videos and stuff like that, there's this this video going around, it's starting to get viral status here because it, it's it's kind of one of these fail videos almost. There is a drunk North Korean who got serious. <laughs> uh, no, check this out. There's a drunk North Korean who got filmed uh, through security cam footage. Through a, maybe it was on purpose defecting, I don't know, but he used a black Jeep JKU and just buried the thing up to the axles. I mean, it looks like he, d- he didn't even pay attention to where he was going, none of that stuff. It- it's great. And then, of course, you know, he gets all the, the guys in, in camouflage and, and the <laughs> uh, and the boomsticks coming out after him. And, oh, uh, yeah, hilarity ensues, though. I actually read about that, Josh. He, 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 unfortunately, he was also using the Waze app. Same yeah, as those teenagers <laughs> drove into the lake. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you guys got to check that out though. It's 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 pretty good. That sounds pretty good, good video. I well, mean, you- I'm a little bit closer to the Jeep up and running. I know we've been talking about it for a while now, and uh, and one of the things I was you know held up on was uh, was getting some parts, and of course you know I was expecting some some stuff uh, last week, and it didn't come. And then it came this week, and and so it was a whole nother weekend of well, I'm just going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs, I guess. And, uh, and so I, you I cleaned up your room tinkering around. I, don't <laughs> tell me what to do. <laughs> if you're bored, in fact, you can go clean no, up really that room. <laughs> in fact, my garage right now is an absolute cluster. <laughs> well, of app, course. And it, it's, well, I've got like multiple phases of this, you know, this rebuild going on all at the same time. And, and the e-fan conversion is really what's holding me up right now. Uh, because again, I'm, I'm striving for this perfection sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I need, I really need to just, okay, good enough. Let's get it in, and we'll work on you know fine tuning it as as we get down the road. Um, but this e-fan conversion is is holding me up because, um, well, I didn't get the fan that I thought I was getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it ended up being about four or five inches larger than I thought it was going to be. Wow! Um, and because of that, what the good thing is is it's thin. It's very thin. Oh! And huh. and after the modifications that I made to the the pulleys and stuff on the front of the engine. Uh, whatnot. I think I actually have more clearance than if I would have gone with the popular e-fan swap that everybody's doing. Um, so I'm going to try and make this work. And right now, it's the it's the the shroud fabrication that's holding me up. Getting getting the uh, the rest of the radiator kind of blocked off, and the fan, you know, kind of making sure all the air is coming through the radiator, and that that fan is pulling the air through the radiator, and not around the radiator, um, or you know, from behind it, you know, whatever. So. Um, that's what I'm working on right now. I'm about halfway done through that. And once I get things, okay, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to go with this and I've, I've, I've got already got things kind of cut out and whatnot. I just got to put some stuff together. Uh, then which case, uh, the new radiator is going to go back in. I've been using the old one to mock things up and whatnot. And, uh, and then it, it, it shall start. Uh, so <laughs> I've actually thought about, I've actually thought about doing some shortcuts and being like, well, just for the sake of starting the vehicle, maybe I'll just close system this and, and I'm just, you know, fill it up. I'll, I'll go ahead and, 
and do this little coupler on the thing, you know, make sure the radiator hoses aren't leaking or nothing like that, and just get this thing started up and 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 hear that engine running again. Uh, but I, I kind of want to get all my ducks in a row and whatnot, and right now I have squirrels at a rave, and I have no ducks in no row. So uh, it's really kind of a, a – it's, okay, five minutes over here, and then I'm ten minutes over on this. Well, I've got to do step C before I can do step A and B. I've got to get this buttoned up before I can finish that, and it's a lot of running around back and forth. So this weekend it's going to be like a chicken with his head cut off in my garage. Well, that sounds good. Oh, you know, I don't know if we ever updated people uh, on the the part, the the story that we had, I mean, the story that you had about trying to get the rocker arms uh, from four-wheel parts. I mean, obviously you got that in. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, did, I did get the parts. Um, they, they came in uh, substantially later than what I was expecting um, and really end up putting everything to a screeching halt because it's like, well, I can't do a dang thing until I get this, until I get these parts. Um, and, and so, thankfully, my local four-wheel parts store manager, uh, Tom, here at the Portland, Oregon four-wheel parts store, went above and beyond. I mean, this guy really made some things happen, and he was working directly with the regional manager as well in my area to make sure that I was taken care of. Obviously, corporate just freaking dropped the ball seven ways from Sunday. There's no doubt about it. Um, but at the local level, the guys really hooked me up. They, they made sure I was taken care of. They made sure I got my parts, and they made sure there was communication every step of the way so that I was in the loop and that I knew when things were going to happen and how they were happening and, and where and you know, all that sort of stuff. I didn't get any of that from corporate. So you know, the online buying experience was really a bit of a joke as far as four-wheel parts goes, and I'm going to give them two massive thumbs down as far as that goes. But on a local level going in and actually dealing with my local four-wheel parts store and the manager there and him getting, you know, getting the help that I needed was just a ray of sunshine in all of this. We should do so an um, ambush in, interview with uh, somebody from corporate and just I've, I've been waylay them on, on in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on, on getting a representative from four-wheel parts to do this, but they are so corporate-oriented they're they're so worried you know, about not saying the right yeah, thing or yeah. or not you know putting to get, putting forth the right information or whatever it's all they want to get their attorneys involved and all this oh, other geez. stuff. I'm like, come on, just sit down. Let's talk Jeep. You need to take a uh, put an app on your phone. Take take one of them out. Get them drunk and uh, get the interview. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so Tammy, I understand that you have proof of where Jimmy Hoffa has been buried. Yeah. <gasps> Not not quite to that level, but close. Um, so I'm sitting at home the other day, and I have my phone, and I, I get this ding because I have a Facebook message, one of the you know private messages, and it's from Cynthia, and she sends me this picture of her Jeep, the front of her Jeep, and she says, "Guess what happened to me last night? I had one of my D-ring shackles stolen off my Jeep. Yes, just one." See, she says, so tell Tony and Josh that it does happen. I think you women are just so, (laughs) I think you women are just so tired when you tighten up the first one. You just can't quite muster the strength to get the second one tight. I thought this was going to go a completely different direction. I thought she was going to get a picture. You know, it was like the, the, you know, all the letters cut out from newspapers and magazines, total (laughs) ransom note style. Right. And then it was like, oh, no, it was it was my friend. And she was showing me a picture of her front Jeep. And then I was thinking, and there was one purple D-ring on the front of it, you know, and, right. it's and, like, and Cynthia uh-huh. and Cynthia accidentally got the ransom note. and It was meant for Tammy. And you know what, though, Josh, it, 
I had my D rings painted purple after. Yeah, it was after my oh, D ring. Was. Oh, so of we'll course. never know if it was really my D. I don't know if you remember or not, Josh, because we said, "Well, once you paint it purple, ain't nobody no gonna one, steal it." Right? Yeah. <laughs> no one has, and it hasn't I do fallen that to off my yet either. I, Oh, I need yeah. to do that to my Honda. Just and rattle can purple? my Honda purple. No, no. Use a brush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. Brush paint it. Hey, can I get a roller over here, please? <laughs> oh, and just real quick, I'm going wheeling this weekend back at just AOAA. Just got to rub it in, don't you? I know. I know. Um, that's Anthracite Outdoor Adventure Area. Um, going with Nate. Nate's oh, going to no. tra- trail guide us through the... The trees there and CPO and Jody. Um, he has the Jeep Storm Trooper. I, I'm pretty sure he listens to us and uh, a couple other people that I haven't met. So I'm kind of excited about that. You really, really should have not said Nate's name after Nikki G's uh, <laughs> rant uh, about I know. Nate here, uh, yeah, Nate right. there, Nate everywhere. Nate, Nate, Nate. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah, that's Nate, exactly Nate, what Nate. I was thinking. <laughs> All right, so uh, I, yeah, I think I've mentioned this before. Um, I got uh, I got taxes for the house uh, this month. I've just paid those. Oh God, it hurt. I could have bought an atlas, gold plated for the taxes I had to pay, property taxes and stuff. But anyway, what do you guys think? Is fifteen hundred dollars too much to pay for a all new, rebuilt, heavy duty? I means the wide chain, the the wide gears, and the uh, I forget what they call it. The six, uh, not spline. Six, They've got yeah, no, it's planetary gears. Planetary set. gears. The, thank yeah. you. The six planetary gears. I guess the standard is four or five, and uh, it, it is a heavy duty NP two thirty one J transfer case, and, and that's fifteen hundred dollars before buying the 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 plate, the shifting plate, uh, the bezel, uh, and and those things are expensive on eBay. People want some serious like. $25 a piece for these things, which, Yeesh. yeah. So, so if it's all new, but rebuilt, I don't understand that. Well, the case, uh, is brand new. Uh, the, the gears are new. There's, and there's some parts in it that are, are, uh, have been replaced. I guess it's all new parts, but it's, I, I, well, I want to say it's all new parts. It's close to all new. It's not a brand new unit, but it's, it's it's as close as you can get without you know I guess going out and stealing one from the factory. Of course, you can't get one of these from the factory. You know, I, I gotta wonder if yeah, it's gonna take a lot more time. Yeah, it's gonna take a lot more footwork. But couldn't you do it for less yourself? I mean, if you were to price everything out and figure out okay, just cost and parts or whatnot, could I build one of these HD two thirty ones for less than fifteen hundred? Looking at the the prices for the six planetary gear thing and the wide gears and the wide chain uh, and so on and so forth, I think I got up to around a thousand dollars just for the heavy duty parts. Hmm. And, I, and, and that doesn't include be- that doesn't include the SYE. So, with you asking the question to me, you're trying. I feel like you want us to tell you, yes, go do it. No, not necessarily. Uh, and also, no. too, I want to know what the uh, what you guys out there that are listening, uh, what you think, too. I mean, you've gone through this before. Uh, and, and I know you uh, will go out there and just go to the junkyard and get an MP231 and throw it in your Jeep and wheel the crap out of it. And you've been doing it for 10 years and not had any issues. Uh, I'm Frankly, I'm just tired of messing with the damn transfer case. I want something in there that – because twice now it has started popping. The chain has started popping on me twice 
the, either the day of or the day before going on a wheeling adventure. Hmm. And once I make a decision to actually go off road, I, I don't do it very often. And, and, and there was two times I couldn't go. So I'm just ready to be done with it. But I, if, if you're, if you're entertaining the idea of dropping that kind of cash on a transfer case, have you thought about doing a 241? The, the rock the track OR, transfer case, the O R R V or whatever it's yeah, you called. Get, you get the you get the the four to one in there or or, or whatever it oh, is, the and four, four and it's nice. it's a direct bolt up. Um, I, I well, believe the the linkage even is is somewhat compatible. So, um, but I mean, it's it's for more or less, you know, all intents and purposes, a, a direct bolt in. So the the same place that I'm looking at getting this, they also sell the two forty ones, and they uh, I think the J K version was $1,900. I started to say $19,000. $1,900. The TJ version is $2,500. So I yeah, can, but that's, that's, a, that's brand new. Well, I think it's or, rebuilt. Or factory, factory rebuilt or whatever. Right. I'm talking about out of a junkyard or out of, out of you know, a guy on Craigslist or something like that. You know, <sighs> I, I know I'll get princess status on this. I've been to a junkyard a couple of times. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, you're sitting there digging around in stuff that and laying on stuff that, uh, and, and do, do you have the right tool? How many tools do you take? You got this bag that weighs 300 pounds. So you make sure you have all the tools. This is an experience type thing. Uh, my buddy will go out there and he'll, he makes sure he gets whatever he needs off there. He'll cut it or whatever. I just don't have the experience of what tools I need. So I'd be like uh, uh, packing like for a, a vacation, you know, with scout. all the tools. Yeah, he rolls in. <laughs> I'm just going to bring the Jeep in the back, guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'd be using a winch, too, <laughs> to pull that thing out. So, I, I will say that, that the experience that you get from going through all of the trouble that is going to a junkyard and pulling out parts from different transfer cases and whatnot to piece together an HD kit, you know, to, to upgrade your own transfer mm-hmm. case it will give you the the experience and okay i you know know how to take things how to take all this apart now i know where these go and how they go in and and oh i need to watch out for that one spring that i just lost in the junkyard when i put mine back <laughs> well, together and, i'll mention you know, all that sort of stuff. i've done enough work on my jeep that i know how to put things take things off and put things on the problem is do i have everything i need to accomplish that task in the junkyard when i'm in my garage i know i have everything i need just by that experience that you're talking about. So, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, the, the bottom line is is that uh, I'm pretty sure this is the direction I'm going to go. Uh, I've already spoken with Tom Woods about getting uh, my drive shaft rebuilt for the front and a brand new drive shaft for the rear. And uh, it'll be, oh, and I'm, I'm looking at that. I think you actually mentioned the uh, Novak uh, cable shifter. Yeah. Um, I think that if I'm going to do this and I'm going to you know be replacing this thing, time to put that shifter uh, cable in there too and uh so uh and i just couldn't believe that thing was almost 200 dollars um yeah for a cable. I've, I've got some experience with those and I, and I will say that you can grab your shifter with like your thumb and pinky and yes. go through the gears i mean it is so buttery smooth it's not even funny it just, um, getting rid amazing. of that whole z gate thing now there are some other options out there that are that are a little bit less and i think i i, I shared with you a picture of uh just some like some raw linkage ones that uh, yeah. that are out there that I'm gonna actually I'm in the midst of of uh, designing and, and fabricating my own version of that, um, but that's kind of on and off the back burner right now. But uh, but yeah, I'm another option out there for you. You know, even that design is a lot simpler than that Z gate thing. Indeed, I yeah, just, I, just, I mean, a cable would have been super simple, and and that that kit. 
uh, it, it's beautiful. It, it's very simple, and it looks like it would work just perfectly. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go that direction, and uh, I'm going to get out there on the damn trails, and you people can quit giving me hell about not going out off-road. And I'm not talking about Tammy and Josh. You guys can keep giving me hell about anything. I'm talking about you people out there listening. <laughs> what do you mean, <laughs> you, you people? <laughs> what do you mean, you people? You know what? You know who you are. <laughs> Well, hey guys, let's get into some wheeling wear really quick. And this is where we're going to talk about what events are coming up in your neck of the woods and around the nation. And we've got the Badlands Off-Road Adventures uh, presenting the The Winching Clinic. It's happening March 2nd at Borrego Springs, California. For more information on this, guys, and really this is some invaluable information for learning how to recover a vehicle, advanced winching techniques, and all that sort of stuff, check out 4x4training.com. That's www.4x4training.com. And check out the winching clinic. Sign up and do yourself a favor. Recover your vehicle correctly next time it gets stuck. And uh, we've got coming up March 2nd and the 4th, the 56th annual Desert Safari presented by Tierra del Sol Four-Wheel Drive Club of San Diego. Uh, This is all going down Truck Haven Hills, California. For more information, head over to TDS4x4.com. That's TDS4x4.com. And if you're not doing anything, say, I don't know, next Wednesday, January 31st, around, I don't know, 3.30 (laughs) a.m., be sure to run outside and stare into the sky. As one of the rarest lunar eclipse events to ever happen will be taking place and will be visible by most of the U.S., a full lunar eclipse of a blue moon. Certainly worth setting an alarm for. Do you know of an off-road event coming up, Jeeper? Well, shoot us an email with some details. Have you been to a Jeep event recently? Let us know what you thought and what you saw. We'd love to hear from you. And you can find out that email on our special contact page. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, including our voicemail and all our social media. You can even fill out our much-beloved survey. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Making a purchase on Amazon? Before you do, go to jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. That link will take you to the Amazon site, and any purchase you make, a few cents will go to our show. No additional cost to you. It's a great way to support your favorite podcast. That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to follow, friend, like, subscribe, and above all else, be sure to tell a friend about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. So no matter where you're wheeling, if you pack it in, pets, pack it out. Let's leave our outdoor recreations and parks in as good, if not better condition than they were when we arrived. Remember to always tread lightly and don't wheel where you're not supposed to. If you'd like to learn more about the tread lightly principles and how you can help keep our trails and public lands open for off-road use, head over to www.treadlightly.org. Hey, folks, and don't forget, you can follow me on my awesome Jeep journey at www.jeepmama.com. You need a voice for your product or your business? Be sure to check out my professional voiceover services at thevoiceofjosh.com. Podcasting since 2010.